The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Well, with summer quickly approaching, a question you hear from time to time uh, is, uh, what are your summer vacation plans? Uh, Vacations offer a time for adventure and fun as well as relaxation and rejuvenation. For families facing a cancer diagnosis, a vacation may be the furthest thing from their minds, but maybe it shouldn't be. We're going to explore just that question in this uh, first of a special two-part series. With us today to talk about taking a break from cancer is Marcy Shankweiler, Marcy is the founder and president of For Pete's Sake Cancer Respite Foundation, a nonprofit organization whose goal is to provide respite vacations to cancer patients, their caregivers, and families. Prior to this, Marcy worked as a tax attorney. She also held numerous government positions with the General Services Administration and the Internal Revenue Service. In addition to her role at For Pete's Sake, Marcy holds numerous volunteer leadership positions. Her efforts have been recognized in several national publications and press articles, including the Halo Award in 2005, a national award presented by Family Circle Magazine. She was also selected uh, as one of the top 75 living Philadelphians by the Daily News, Philadelphia Eagles, and Dunkin' Donuts. Welcome to the show, Marcy. Thank you for having me, Kim. So, Marcy, let's go back. Can you take us back to the very beginning of this story and tell us uh, about your husband, Pete, for whom the foundation is named, and a little bit about his journey? Sure. You know, Pete uh, was my first husband. Um, he and I knew each other for a long time, um, actually in high school, growing up in the Philadelphia area, and then in college. And you know, I would really just say we're, we're normal 20-year-olds buying houses, getting jobs, um, enjoying life. Uh, and, you know, we got married. Um, I think that love really propelled us forward. And the story really starts with him, you know, one day getting diagnosed with cancer when he was 29. Uh, that really obviously came at a great shock to us, and not only us, but our entire you know, community of friends and our entire community of family. And so tell us some of the details. What, what, uh, what was he having symptoms? What led to his diagnosis? Um, what, uh, you know, what kind of cancer did he have, and, and what was the, the treatment that went along with that? Well, he, he 
uh, you know, in, in a young person, you're, you're relatively healthy, and then uh, for a period of time, he just has very, very extreme fatigue. And you know, I think what hit me is that one day he came home to really cut the lawn in the summer uh, here in Philadelphia when it's quite humid, and he just had such trouble. And I said, you know, I think you really have something that's happening that we don't quite understand. Um, and literally, it was 24 hours later that he was diagnosed with uh, a tumor in his chest, and you know. I, I had had a brother who had leukemia, so I had been down this road before. Um, but in this case, I, I was somewhat taken back because when we went, the doctor had mentioned something as possibly a germ cell tumor. And you know, I was so naive. I thought, germ cell tumor, you take an antibiotic and it goes away. You know, And, and I was young um, and, and not very educated with respect to cancer. And little did I know that we found out later um, through a series of events that that transpired for about a week where he had biopsies and testing that he had what's called an extragonadal germ cell tumor, which is a rare form of testicular cancer that manifests itself in the chest. Uh, and that really kind of let us down um, a series of potential clinical trials because um, knowing that, uh, that the treatment uh, and the outcome were questionable. So, you know, we, we, we really had to kind of regroup and as, a, as a couple, um, and mm-hmm. as a family, and really kind of make some decisions about the type of treatment, where he would be treated. And we're so blessed to be where we are because that really provided us a vast opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And so what was the, once you sort of talked about the different options available to you, maybe got second opinion, talked to different folks, what was the treatment uh, journey that you landed on? What was the treatment protocol? How often was the treatment? What type of treatment? Well, he ended up going into a clinical trial, which was um, the bleomycin uh, trial uh, at the time. It was a three-fold trial. But what was interesting is his Pete's uncle was an oncologist, so it really helped us be able to kind of understand what we were facing ahead. Um, so we had um, significant chemotherapy that was actually almost a week inpatient followed by two weeks at home, um, and there were four rounds of that, and then post that he had some scans done and the tumor continued to grow. Um, So he ended up having major surgery. And the pathology came back from that, which was really somewhat challenging um, because it showed that there were some elements of the tumor that were um, not explained, you know, fully and were made us pause about what the protocol would be going forward. So, you know, it was kind of at, it it was really a whirlwind from, you know, Early August to about November, where we really just went, where, where we just really concentrated on cancer being in our lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and at what point, Marcy, did during that treatment journey, did you decide to take a vacation? What was happening that made you think that a vacation would be a good idea? Because as I said earlier, a lot of times folks get in the thick of cancer treatment, making decisions, trials, treatment, and um, you know don't really take the time to step back and think about spending that kind of time together. So tell me how that came about. You know, it's interesting that you say it because you really don't have the time to even think about it, and it's yeah. not in the forefront of your mind. And we were just, we were actually recipients of the generosity of our family and friends. And really mm-hmm. what transpired was that, you know, we had a whole group of friends all in their 20s, you know, and Pete was the first person to have been really diagnosed and 
in our, you know, small community. And they said, you know, let's come together and do something for them. So they came together and had what we call an old Philadelphia beef and beer, which is really roast beef sandwiches and some beer in a gym. Um, and at the end of that event, they gave us um, money. And it was really kind of Pete stepping back and recognizing the significance of what he and I needed most, truly mm-hmm. kind of progress forward. And, you know, Pete said, let's take this money and let's, take some time to go away. You know, and I'm the practical side. I was, you know, I was an attorney. I said, oh, my gosh, like, we've got to pay our mortgage. We have the bills. You know, you know we don't yeah. know what's going yeah. to be transpiring. And, you know, it really was Pete's insight and, and, and his intuitive nature that said, you know, Marcy, all those things are going to be there, and all these things are always going to be there. But, you know, what, what we need to do is really cherish the gift of time that we have. Um, and, you know, so there was some convincing truthfully, on his end to convince me to be like, okay, we're going to take this, this pocket of money and take it, take the time to go away. Um, and when we eventually did, you know, I think part of the, the joy of that entire trip experience was the fact that it was given to us by our family and friends because a lot of times people don't know what to do when someone that they love gets diagnosed with cancer. And yeah. here was this really great gift that they were able to give to he and I. Um, mm-hmm. And collectively, so um, so we ended up taking a trip in January. And if you know the, the weather in north, the Northeast in, <laughs> in our area, it's cold and you know dreary. And you know we got on an airplane, you know, only about a month after Pete's surgery. You know, and to a warm climate, we ended up going down to um, to Nevis and Tortola, and we just enjoyed the Caribbean. See the Caribbean warmth. You know, part of it was the adventure. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, you know, we, we actually sailed in Tortola, which is somewhat of an adventure, especially when you know you're coming off of major, major surgery. But then we actually went to a, uh, the little island called Nevis. And if any of your listeners have ever been there, it's it's a very quaint, small, quiet, you know, mm-hmm. island that really has no internet, no television. So really, when you talk about taking a break, you know, and really yeah. resting, this was a place to do it. Nice. Nice. So, so Marcy, let me ask you, how did your, how did the medical team react to this? Because again, you sort of think about, gosh, you're in, you know, you're in treatment and, and, uh, you know, you have to go in for your chemo and, you know, you're on a, someplace that's kind of remote. What if something medical were to happen? What's the plan for that? I mean, what was that discussion like with the medical team about this plan? You know, Pete was treated at University of Pennsylvania and we had a great, great medical group that really followed his care. And when we went in, you know, of course, I was the apprehensive one, and Pete was the one that said, let's go. Um, and we told them our idea, and they really embraced it. Uh, and they really encouraged us to really take this time. You know, and they really, you know, they really talked to us about some of what we might be able to glean from the experience, you know, on a psychosocial standpoint, you know, like reconnecting um, Really realizing that, you know, yes, cancer invaded our lives, but it didn't necessarily invade our relationship. It didn't necessarily invade the love that we shared. Um, and, you know, really kind of regroup as a husband and wife to kind of battle what lies ahead. And, you know, they knew what lied ahead for us. So I think it gave them even more momentum to say, this is something you need to do and you need to do it now. 
Um, I will tell you, like, on a funny story, like, we literally, literally, we were supposed to come back on a Thursday. We ended up getting getting off a connecting flight in Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and staying for three extra days until Sunday night. Um, (laughs) And we literally had to be at University of Penn on Monday morning. And, you know, as as you know, like, when you first go into any oncology floor, the first thing they do is they do your blood draw, you know, Mm -hmm. and... Pete had his blood levels taken, and the doctor came in. And he said, I don't know what happened to your glucose level, but it really is off the charts. And we were laughing because he was like, it had to be all the drum drinks you had down on the Caribbean <laughs> island. But, you know, so, you know, in a way, they embraced it, and they, they made us feel so good about it. Uh, yeah. I think that that was part of, of the joy of our own experience. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's critical having sort of the blessing, you know, of your uh, medical team. Um, or so we've got just a couple of minutes until our first break here, but what, what was it like transitioning back to treatment, Pete, as the patient and you as the caregiver coming back in? Was that a rough transition? You know, I think, I think ultimately, um, I, I wouldn't say rough. I would say it was, it was probably more emotional in the standpoint of, you know, we had just experience what I would say like almost pure bliss and then literally you know we 12 hours later we're sitting at University of Penn and I think what it made us really do is it made us really really relish the time that we had had you know Mm -hmm. and as time went on and that vacation time became more removed from a from a you know a time standpoint um, we recognized how special that gift of time was especially as we kind of traveled down our own journey with cancer. So while it was, um, you know, while it was challenging, you know, I think it really gave us the fortitude, fortitude to really kind of pick up and continue on our own journey. And it was something that I imagine you guys just sort of cherished and talked about for a long time. Oh, we did. I mean, we got, we had some great laughs, you know, and, you know, part of it is that Pete's journey continued, you know, one part of our journey was really just even gathering the pictures from it. And this is when, this is like mm. kind of before they had digital cameras. So, yeah. you know, even the pictures of it were so, so special. And, you know, we, we went yeah. back and looked at those pictures and they yeah. really became a part of who we are and our conversations and the conversations yeah. that we had with our family and friends who helped us. Yeah go on this vacation. Yeah, what's well, wonderful. It's a, it's a great story. Um, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking with uh, Marcy Shankweiler about taking time off from cancer, taking a break. Um, and we're going to take a quick break right here, and we will be right back. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, 
a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Amgen Oncology and Lilly Oncology. I'm Kim Chibaldo, and today we're talking to Marcy Shankweiler about taking a vacation from cancer. Marcy is the founder and president of, for Pete's sake, Cancer Respite Foundation. Marcy's work has been widely recognized uh, by the University of Pennsylvania Cancer Center, among others. She was honored as CEO of the week by the Philadelphia Business Journal and was also a local hometown hero chose by Pico Energy Company. Since its founding in 1999, for Pete's sake, has sent over five thousand people uh, on vacation. So so transition us, Marcy. Tell us about, you talked about this amazing trip that you had with your husband, what that meant for you, really holding on to that, and, and it became such a, a, a special memory. Um, what led to the founding of, uh, for Pete's sake? Tell us about the founding. Tell us about the mission. Walk us through that part of the history. Well, uh, essentially what happened is our journey kind of with cancer continued. Pete knew the outcome of his own mortality. And, you know, it was really, you know, he, he, he had traveled through this journey and when we had got, we, we, when he had been a patient, we said, wow, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to give this beautiful gift that we have to other people, especially younger people who are traveling? Because when we went, you know, it was, it was only once in a while that we'd run into someone our age in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, maybe about three months before he passed away, he kind of really put the foundation on. He said, you know, I really want to start an organization that provides these breaks from cancer. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to be around to do it, but this is what I envision. I envision having these beautiful homes that people go to um, where they can really sit back, relax, refresh, rejuvenate, and just really let, you know, the love blossom, you know, among that family unit just like we had experienced. And essentially, you know, he put 
all that into play. And um, he actually gave me very, very strict instructions to put it in his obituary notice, which I chuckle. Like, I look back and I think the wisdom of that, <laughs> to be able to recognize that, you know, in his own, in his own process um, with his disease. And essentially, you know, he passed away, and that's what I did. And, you know, I didn't really, I, I mean, I was a tax attorney, so I said to myself, oh, my gosh, I want to put a nonprofit in in an obituary notice, and I called my friend who was a tax attorney and said, can you set this up in a day? You know, and I remember literally sitting in the funeral home, um, so unsure of it and saying, should I put this in or not? But once I made the decision to do it, you know, I, I really kind of just, I just kind of embrace the thought of where this leads, I don't know. But if it can help one other person, then, you know, Pete's mission will have been accomplished. Um, and that was really the whole start of it. So we started it with Pete's obituary notice and just said, here we go. We would, you know, we're, we're going to start a nonprofit that helps other young cancer patients take a break from cancer. And, you know, fast forward six months you know, after his death, and I had gone back to work as a tax attorney, and, you know, people started hearing about it, you know, and we, my, my phone started ringing at home, and, you know, I, I, it was one of those concepts where you say, wow, like, there is some in this, and, you know, I myself, I think, as a surviving spouse, had realized the significance of this time away, why, why, I had realized it when Pete was alive and how it helped he and I through the journey. Now I realized it from a totally different standpoint, and that was as, you know, a surviving spouse and having those memories to really hold on to yeah. and having those pictures and having his smile. And, you know, I, I actually kept a picture of him and I on our trip, you know, and when I would look at it and I would feel sad, I would say, you know, remember, like, my best gift to him is that I'm smiling and I brace the life that I have now. So, you know, there was all these different emotions that kind of go into it. And uh, it was really his, you know, his mom and his group of friends and his two sisters who said, let's have an event, you know, that kind of announces this whole concept of taking a break from cancer and for peace's sake. And, you know, I just really kind of took a step back. And then they, we had this event. And, you know, before you know it, you know, our phone rang and someone needed help. And that's really kind of how the, I mean, it's amazing, when you, but that's how it really started. Yeah, yeah, one one person, one family. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember the, I mean, he called and, you know, I, her name was Barbara and she had pancreatic cancer. And, you know, he called and said, I have a sister and I have a very large family and we've done everything we can to help her. You know, can you help? And we ended up sending um, her and her husband and their small son, who was only about six at the time, down to Seattle City, New Jersey, which is a great Jersey Shore town um, where Pete and I had both really grown up together. Uh, and it was that experience that really kind of propelled us to where we are today, where, you know, we've helped thousands. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Now, you were, you know, obviously coming out of this loss, coming out of a d- difficult time, um, you were in the middle of this successful career, as you said, as a tax attorney when you launched this effort. I hear that your mom thought maybe you were having a nervous breakdown um, and that, you, you know, that maybe this was not such a good idea to leave this, you know, secure position in the legal profession to venture into the complete unknown. And as we all know, many, many nonprofits fail, you know, a- along the way. So were folks questioning you? Were you questioning yourself at different points along the way? 
Oh, oh my gosh. If I could tell you how many I question, how many tears I shed <laughs> and how many glasses of wine I drank, I feel like, um, you know, ironically, I, I chuckle because, you know, the day I made the decision to leave my job, I, I had no intention of doing it that day. I had no intention of doing it, period, when I walked into the office that day. That so, day, that very day. That very you day. Had no. It wasn't, it wow. was, and, you know, it wasn't until, um, I tell you, I had a great mentor that helped me. Uh, his name was Jim Murray, and he was the former general manager of the Eagles, and then he helped co-found the Ronald McDonald House. And he actually was a friend of mine from Sea Isle. And, you know, he he ironically called me that day, and, I, and, I, and we were chatting, and I said, you know, I just feel like this pull that, like, my heart is really tugging you know, to pull me to help these other families who are so young. Because at this point now, people were calling me saying, you know, can you help and can you help? And, you know, I had people in my little house, you know, trying to kind of re- arrange trips. And, and you know, I just, I just remember that tug on my heart. And, and you know, Jim said something really profound to me. And he said, you know, Marcy, there's, there's, um, there's plenty of attorneys that, and, that, that can do your work. But he's like, there's only one of you who can really take, you know, and a personal experience and a love that you share with Pete and really turn it into, you know, a dream for families who would have otherwise have, have no chance to create those memories with their own loved ones. And I remember him saying that, and I, and I literally, I remember put the phone down, and I said, you know what, I am just not meant to be here. Like, God does not want me to be here at this point. And, yes, my mom thought I was having a nervous breakdown because I didn't tell anybody until later that, you know. Uh, and having gone seven years at night to school, to Temple, you know, it was quite a transition. So there was complete shock from people. But I guess you know in your heart and you have enough, you know, strength, you know, and uh, behind me. And then, you know, I had a beautiful, beautiful community of support. Um, you know, people who I had had in my, you know, personal and professional network who really, who really came to embrace the concept and who really came to embrace, you know, helping me. Um, start a nonprofit. So now not to say that it was easy because it was quite challenging and, uh, but, but it really, it, it gave everybody, not only myself, but it gave a lot of people a great gift to jump in and to lend some expertise, you know, and to be a part of something bigger. So let me ask you this. So let's get down to the nuts and bolts. Can you tell us who kind of qualifies for this gift, what uh, describe the you know the kinds of respite vacations that you provide? Where do people go? You know, how do people inquire or apply, or what's the process? Well, we have um, some clinical assessment factors that we've developed over the years, and I have a great program committee um, that meets three times a year, and really they, they they go over our entire program and they help develop these clinical assessment factors because not everybody is in the right spot to be able to take this respite vacation. Mm-hmm. And so we really, so to qualify, we have uh, an age piece. So we really concentrate on 24 to 55 is the age bracket that we have. Um, We have financial factors that we consider. We have psychosocial factors that we consider. Um, And then we have really the health factors that we look at as to whether or not, you know, this would be the right piece of you know, of treatment for them at this time. Um, And then to get into the program, you have to be nominated by a member of your oncology team. Um, So we really allow allow them to help identify the people that would most benefit from a respite vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it could be that they, they, they're, that 
they've just gotten some really challenging news. It could be that they just got through a very, very rigorous treatment. You know, um, you know, there's the anticipation of actually having the chance to go away um, can really help them through some very rigorous treatment. So we find that the patients come really at all stages during the illness, mm-hmm. um, and they really come based upon these clinical assessment factors that we've been able to, be, to best identify, and then work with the you know work with the oncology teams to really have them identify the patient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Marcy, I've only got a quick uh, minute or so until our next break here, but I know one of the special touches you include is a welcome bag, but it's not just any welcome bag. Can you tell us what's in there and why you chose those items? Well, you know, we have, when you go away with us, um, you really get everything from soup to nuts. So we really mm-hmm. do um, plane tickets and, you know, rent-a-cars, and we own two homes in Florida. We send a lot of people there. But then in this bag, we put some things that really help you as a family to reconnect. Um, we have personal journals. We have inspirational writings by many authors who, um, who we, you know, we look at and say, you know, this family could really use this book. Um, we talk about like some spiritual journeys because many of them have a spiritual journey that they're walking down. So we tailor that piece. Robes. Um, we we give children what we call backpack buddies, which are personal notes from from kids to the to the the children that are traveling, saying, "Have a great time." You know, we're thinking of you. You know, we're praying for you. We want we want to make sure that this is the most phenomenal experience that your family can have. So it's such a comprehensive piece. Um, mm-hmm. And last but not least, we give them a lot of cash. You know, and every family that we send away gets a stipend to really make sure that, you know, there's not a worry in the world here. You right. know, what what yeah. you really want to do is really embrace the love that you have, and that's what yeah. that's all. And we not want worry you to about do. the practical. Yeah, no, practical not worry about the pieces. practical. You know, you got to yeah. worry. Yeah. I mean, this is a chance for you to really, really take connect. this experience yep. and yep. make it what you need it to be. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're uh, talking about taking a vacation from cancer. We're talking to Marcy Shankweiler. We're just going to take a quick break here. We have a lot more to talk about uh, with Marcy, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer Series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices, I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Onyx Pharmaceuticals and Amgen Subsidiary and Bristol-Myers Squibb. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Today we're talking about taking a break during your cancer journey. It, it may seem counterintuitive, 
uh, patients are more likely to pack their bags to go to the hospital than to the beach. But our guest today, Marcy Shankweiler, believes a respite vacation just might be one of the most meaningful things a family can do when facing a cancer diagnosis. Um, so, Marcy, you mentioned before the break, and if folks maybe are just joining us, in order for a family to participate, they have to be nominated by their oncology team. And you talked about uh, the fact that there are, you know, the, a host of factors, a, a, you know, a host of um, criteria. But what has been the reaction from the medical community about this? I mean, are there doubters? Are there folks who say, oh, my gosh, they shouldn't be going. This person should be going so far away. What if there's a medical issue? How are those, uh, you know, kind of concerns or questions addressed? Or, you know, just tell us about the reaction of the medical community to the idea. Well, uh, I have to say they've completely embraced it. Um, and, you know, we, in the Philadelphia region and uh, in certain states around us, we, ha- we have a, a broad presence. And because of that broader presence, you know, people think about, for Pete's sake, as part of, you know, a patient's continuum of care. So somewhere along the line, you know, a for Pete's sake respite vacation is really exactly what the doctor orders. Um, and, you know, we 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 get feedback from them to really kind of help us tailor our program. And because of that, too, you know, I think that there's a, they're, they're a part of what we do. So, I mean, I see physicians and oncologists who continually nominate patients that, that are in their care. Um, and really, truthfully, like, these people come back so renewed and so refreshed and with such a different outlook on life that mm-hmm. it's very, very important um, for them to have to this break. Yeah, yeah. I I know, Marcy, one of the things that you've been committed to and focusing on is um, collecting information, collecting data from doctors and patients and families um, about the impact of these respite vacations. Um, what, What kind of information and data have you been collecting? What is the data showing? What are we really learning about this? Well, we started collecting data back in 2005, and it was really simply, you know, do you see an improvement in coping with cancer from a patient, from a caregiver standpoint? Because, you know, we can't forget the caregiver, and this is for the caregiver also. Um, you know, and then we have the, the children, if they have small children. Um, and it was just generally, you know, does this affect your outlook on everyday life? Does it affect you coming back and coping with your disease and the, and, and the potential pro- progression of it? Um, and then about uh, three years ago, I went to the American Society Social Ecological Society's uh, yearly meeting, and I, I met a, a, some wonderful uh, clinicians who really study the effect of psychosocial uh, problems in in the with a cancer diagnosis uh, in a patient. And we said, you know, let's take a really strong look at some of the themes that we see. And we really identi- identified some four themes, which is really like the impact on a family relationship and the family dynamics. You know, how we communicate. You know how how a patient caregiver communicates, how patient communicates with the children. You know, and and the, and the caregiver communicates with their children. You know, looking at general positive outlooks on life was seen as you know as an underlying theme that we see over and over again. You know, in our outcomes, and then really the last part was was resulted. You know, is this resulting in improved patient compliance with treatment? You know, like do they come back and are they willing to really kind of jump right in? You know, mm-hmm. with the meds and anti meds, and you know we. we we took these themes and we're actually now studying them much more in depth, um, you know, to really make the, make this like an evidence-based part of 
cancer treatment. And that's, you know, that's what we, that's what we see. Um, and now we have really 10 years of data that keeps becoming more and more um, specific and more tailored. Um, but it actually in turn helps us tailor the respite experience for each person so that when we have a family who comes into our program, we're able to work with them, we're able to work with their oncology team and say, what is it this family needs the most? Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it the simple sit on the beach, overlook the ocean, and just literally, literally have that quiet, you know, time together, or is it that they, you know, want to go down to Florida and, you know, spend a day, you know, on a roller coaster, you know, so we tailor each respite experience to really match the the psychosocial, you know, emotional needs of the patient, the caregiver, and and their children. And as you look at the data, are there certain... You know, are there certain themes that emerge? Are there certain, you know, what are sort of the top line kind of learnings from looking at the data over the years? Um, really, the, the, the strength in communication, you know, among mm-hmm. the family and the strength in relationships among the family really kind of tops the data. Um, generally positive outlooks, you know, are we look, how are we going to look at this when we come back? You know, how are we going to embrace this journey? Because many of the people that we help have a very challenging journey ahead of them. You know, and how are they going to embrace that? And where does hope come in to play? Um, and then the, the, really the patient compliance piece. You know, let's jump back with our feet on the ground, you know, ready to kind of tackle, you know, the next phase of our treatment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have, Marcy, I, do you have folks talk about, you know, using this quiet time together to maybe plan for the future or plan for you know, perhaps when the certain family member or parent is not going to be around, what that looks like to think about what their wishes are, um, you know, what their hopes are for their children, things like that. Do they use that for, for that kind of planning as well? Uh, most certainly. You know, and, and I think, you know, parents, um, sometimes it's actually having to remove yourself from like your own home and your own environment to be able to have those conversations because let's be honest, they are challenging ones to have and mm-hmm. no one wants to have that, especially when it's with your child. Um, but, you know, we have many people who come back and say, you know, it was a time for me to really, um, to really sit down and talk to my children about what the future would look like if I wasn't here. And, you know, I have, I remember specifically, you know, one, one, um, uh, one woman, Dara, uh, went away and, you know, she did not take her children. She just went with her husband. But, you know, her viewpoint was, look, if my husband's not okay, my children won't be okay when I'm no longer here. You know, and I, so, you know, again, it goes back to that personal piece, you know, and being able to, to use this time um, to really, really explore the needs that they have, you know, at that moment. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so for each person, it's a, it's a different, unique experience. And I think that's what makes us, it's so rewarding. So when everybody mm-hmm. comes back, there really is this enriched outlook on mm-hmm. life. And, um, so I think people might think about, you know, the beach or the, you know, think about like Disney or, but what are some other places where people have gone? You know, we, we, we partner with some. We partner actually with Apple Vacations, um, so we actually have some some opportunities to send people to the Caribbean. You know, and that's an adventure. Wait, let's be mm-hmm. honest. You know, I mean, talk about a great great time. And we do it for seven nights down there, um, and you know, that that totally explores a different potential. 
Um, mm-hmm. And we see, you know, we see people who have teenagers because it's all inclusive, and you know they have teenagers, and you know sometimes it's hard to have that, that, that community bonding and, and family bonding, you know, with that age group. And yes, here they yeah. do it, and they do it so beautifully, and they do it so well. So mm-hmm. you know that's one that we really we we cherish closely. You know, we have um, a, a partnership with Woodlock, which is a close to you know we have the Pocono region close to us, um, mm-hmm. and in Woodlock, and you know there again it's all about family and it's all about doing. Some fun activities, um, mm-hmm. and we see a lot of people with smaller children wanting to go there. So you know, you know, sometimes it could even be two nights that they spend, yeah. you know, in in a, a donated home, in a you know, very very close to where they live. But it's just mm-hmm. the fact that they are getting away from the environment from that they're usual that environment they're so yeah. used to. So, yeah. you know, again, really, you know, I think that that's what we do so well so that when any time a family comes into this program, we know that they're going to walk out and they're going to say, you know, for Pete's sake, I needed that. You know, yeah. I needed that. My family needed that. You know, my husband or wife needed that. Um, and it's helping me with my own journey. Yeah, yeah. Marcy, we've got a couple minutes until our next break here. Um, I know you guys have helped thousands of people, but is there a particular participant experience or a particular story um, that stands out to you that that, uh, that you can share? You know, we helped the family, and, and um, her, the Gonzalez family, and we helped the, the – they were, they were very young, in their 30s, and they had two small children, and uh, Rafael Gonzalez became ill, and we sent them down to our, uh, one of our two homes that we own in Florida, um, and he subsequently passed away. And about a year later um, – his wife, uh, Uyen, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, here we are, uh, you know, facing you know, a, a very, very similar outcome with the two children. And, you know, Uyen took her children back to the house that she, they went with when her husband, Raphael, was alive. And she walked through that door, you know, with a, a totally new perspective. And I think Uyen taught us so much when she walked through that door, you know, it, to really embrace the journey. You know, and and loving through loving someone through the journey um, mm-hmm. can be such an enriching experience if we allow it to be. And you know, I learned a lot from Oyen. You know, because here she had lost her husband. Now she knew her own mortality, and she had these two beautiful children. And you know, it, she embodied you know what it was to really take a break and to live. And she did that you know in the face of such adversity twice in the same home for, for Pete's sake. And, you know, I, to this day, you know, I, 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 I just, I smile and there are really, you know, and if I do cry, there are tears of joy because she gave us the great gift and she taught us this gift of how to really live life. Um, and, you know, part of, you know, my promise to her was I would always, always help spread that. So, you know, I feel like I've made all these promises. I mean, Oyen is just one of hundreds. And I feel like I, we, yes. you know, I've made many promises along the way um, to uh, many of the families that we've helped that, you know, it's really, it, it is a celebration. You know, mm-hmm. life is a celebration and the, the gift of our family is a celebration, especially in this journey. Marcy, what's the um, website if people are listening and they want to jump onto the website and check it out? Uh, it's takeabreakfromcancer.org. So we go right Take back a into break. the theme. Mm-hmm. Take, Take a, a break, break from, from cancer. cancer. Dot org. So if you're listening and you want to write that down and check it out, we're going to um, we're going to take a quick break here. We have a lot more to talk about uh, with Marcy. We want to talk, uh, uh, you know, a little bit about how folks can get involved, first of all, if they want to uh, see if they qualify for um, 
for what you're providing, Marcy, or other ways that folks can donate and, and support uh, uh, support your efforts. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about taking time off from cancer. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and today's episode is brought to you in part by Millennium the Takeda Oncology Company. I'm Kim Table, though. Today we're exploring the idea of taking a break from cancer. With us is Marcy Shankweiler, the founder and president of For Pete's Sake Cancer Respite Foundation. Her foundation creates respite vacations for families impacted by cancer. Um, in a few weeks, we'll continue to explore this theme with Brad Ludden, the founder of First Descents, a not-for-profit, which offers free outdoor adventures to young adults uh, impacted by cancer, um, Marcy. Do you think there's a there's a quote unquote best time for a respite vacation when someone is in the midst of the cancer journey? Yeah, I really do. I think, it, and I think the best time is going to be different for everybody. But there really mm-hmm. is that critical time when you really recognize that you know you're worn out, you're you're frightened, you know you're mm-hmm. unsure. Uh, and it's all those factors that come together that at the point kind of seem to really overwhelm you. And I look back and I was, I was overwhelmed. Um, you know, and it took, you know, Pete to help me overcome that, you know, in our own journey. So, you know, it's, it goes back to like kind of like that whole caregiver patient relationship too and how important that is, you know, in helping each other. Um, so most certainly, definitely, definitely is you know, the right, a right time to be able to do something like a respite vacation. Yeah. Um, so Marcy, let's just say that, you know, maybe somebody doesn't qualify for your program or they're not in the, you know, not in your geography or for some reason or the other, they don't qualify, but they, you know, they're sort of inspired by the idea that we're discussing today and maybe they want to make their own, uh, plan their own vacation or plan their own trip away from their cancer experience. Uh, Just any, any quick tips, um, if they're if they're thinking about that, uh, about planning a vacation, quick tips, things they should think about if there's someone who is in the midst of cancer treatment and they want to take a little time away? I would say definitely take the first step towards taking that trip. Um, and I think the first step is the hardest step because, um, again, it's that fear factor. But once you're able to take that, that first step, you know, it will propel itself. 
Um, and it can be very, very simple. Like some of the things that we do are very, very simple. Um, and it could be somewhat of a, uh, even of a shorter respite if, if that's all you can do. But it, it really truly is that kind of moving away from the environment of, you know, what they know of, like you had said, pack your bags to the hospital. You're not packing your bags to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, you're packing your bags to really have fun, you know, and, and, you're packing your bags to potentially have conversations and you're packing your bags to maybe some simply as like hold, hold your, you know, your partner's hand, you know, together on a walk that you wouldn't normally have taken, but for being removed from, you know, the environment. Like I can remember Pete, like he spent a lot of time on the couch in our house, you know, the couch or the hospital bed in the hospital. Well, taking yourself out of that, it can do amazing things, you know, for, for everyone. Maybe a, maybe a hammock. Maybe a hammock yeah. instead of a couch, right? You can ha- right, a hammock, a beach chair. I mean, there's so yeah. many different pieces, uh, you know, that, change, change the scenery. that really yeah. go into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marcy, you credit a lot of the success of the organization to an ongoing series of, uh, of acts of kindness. And uh, you and I are both Philly girls, and um, we certainly know that while we're very mean sports fans, we can uh, be very generous of, of uh, heart and spirit and certainly know a lot of good folks in, in, uh, in the communities in Philadelphia. But can you just take a quick minute to tell us about these acts of kindness and maybe how people can get involved to uh, participate? Well, you know, Philadelphia really is a city of brotherly love. That's our motto. Um, and That's right. uh, it really has come out in the blossoming of For Pete's Sake. And anywhere from, you know, my, my high school class at the Mount, um, helping to LaSalle University. I mean, we, we, we get complimentary office space because of, um, you know, a great relationship we had at LaSalle and just in the legal profession itself. And Philadelphia is, is, it's a small, small, but, you know, mighty. And, you know, Random acts of kindness just kind of proliferate. So, you know, we have people who, you know, I can tell you a funny story of, you know, how it even started. Like, we had two two people run into each other in the grocery store and say, what are we going to do for Marcy and Pete? And that was really kind of the crux of, of beef and beer. Um, but it's really advocacy and kindness kind of all go together. And sometimes just being excited and talking about, you know, for Pete's sake as an opportunity for a cancer patient. Um, can really lead to greater things. And this is how we get many of our home donors. This is how we develop all of our relationships. You know, and I think it really kind of proliferates that whole concept of you get so much more back when you give. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's what the Philadelphia community really has embraced. Yeah. Um, and so this is really, this is definitely a, a collective effort on our community. And now we, we find it is surrounding communities um, yeah. who have someone who, who's battling cancer. Marcy, I just want to read a quote from your website. It says, quote, uh, we who are not research scientists, doctors, or nurses still can overcome the deadly force of cancer by helping others rejuvenate and reconnect with their loved ones and in turn find the resolve to fight, survive, and embrace the uncertainty of the path ahead. Um, When all is said and done, is that your message for us? It is. It is. And, and, you know, we all can make a difference in the life of someone with a cancer, pa- cancer and in the life of a family facing the disease. And, you know, when you give them this break, you know, we give them hope. You know, we give them joy. We give them conversation. Um, and we ultimately give them the gift of time. And uh, how often don't we take the time, you know, mm-hmm. to, to love our own families? And here they are faced with a daunting journey. And, you know, we, re- we give them this this precious 
gift that really says to them, you know, cancer does not define who you are and how much you love. You know, your family does that, and you're able to do that, and your caregiver does that. And, you know, so ultimately it's really kind of embracing the love that that whole family unit shares and love defining who they are and not so much the word cancer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I imagine that it's those stories that those kind of moments and, and triumphs and stories from the family, stories from the kids that keeps you motivated to do the work? Oh, most certainly. Like, we just had a woman come back from a, a, a short trip um, to uh, a resort down in West Virginia, the Greenbrier, you know, and she said, you know, I didn't realize, like, and, and quote from her mouth, like, I didn't realize I was not even living life. Like, mm-hmm. I was letting cancer live my life, and I need to live my life. You know, and I lead to live my life with my husband. And, you know, so a very, very young couple, you know, actually in their late 20s, same as Pete and I when we were, when we had to go away. Um, and that's really, you know, that's the refreshing part that really inspires us to, you know, continue the next family. Yeah, yeah. So, Marcy, I just want to thank you um, so much for coming on to the show today. Your story is truly inspirational for more information about Marcy and the, uh, for Pete's sake, Cancer Respite Foundation visit takeabreakfromcancer.org. Um, again, that's takeabreakfromcancer.org. To learn more, if you're someone dealing with cancer and you want to see if you qualify for this, uh, take a look at that if you'd like to donate um, your your resources. Um, uh, take a look at the website for that as well. Uh, it's been my pleasure to have you join us today for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, the cancer support community, we have a host of free services for people with all cancers at any stage of illness and for their family members and loved ones. So uh, take a minute to visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. If you want to talk to one of our counselors, you can call right now at 888-793-9355. Again, if you're just grabbing a pen. That number is 888-793-9355. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.